Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. continue in our book of Acts study. I was looking when we started our series on the book of Acts and it was in the month of May. So we'll be coming up soon on a year in the book of Acts, although there have been segments of time that we have not been in Acts. So there have been months at a time that we have not, but come May we will have been traveling through Acts for a year and it will be over a year. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. Amen. Man, I feel, I tell you what, I feel a little self-conscious. People, you know, they take pictures, you know, during church and stuff. And uh, I've seen that picture Sister Malone had up, me praying over here for Lucas. And you're going to have to tell her she needs to get, like, face-on pictures because you start getting pictures of the back of my head anymore, and I'm going bald, and that really discourages me. <laughs> and uh, so people's going to have to take pictures of me. You're going to have to get your angle right because you'll put me in depression and, and such or, or and this stuff. And so there, there's our pastor, and all you see is the shine beneath the little patches of hair that is still yet left. Amen. And I always felt like I was young at heart, but as that happens, I might start feeling more my age. I don't know. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 6, the Bible states these words. Now, Brother Trout, if you go have a discussion, you will bring up about this. You come on up here and we'll talk now. <clears throat> Acts 13 and verse number 6. I'm just teasing with you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. And when they had gone through the isle unto Pathos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, which is peculiar, by the way, whose name was Bargesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. Boy, he was on a row. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Tonight, I would like to entitle our lesson here this evening, The Powerful Word. The powerful word. Can we pray here tonight? Father, I thank you, God, for being in this place. God, with these, Lord, precious people. God, again, we have come to settle, Lord, ourselves around about the word of God. Grant us understanding tonight. Let your anointing, God, touch each and every individual, Lord, under the sound of my voice and me as well. I pray, oh God, today help us to glean from your scriptures, God. We're appreciative of them. God, that you have given them unto us, Lord, that we might live our lives, God, in a reputable way, Lord Jesus, before you. We love and thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for these things. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. Just because it's been, I wasn't here last Wednesday, just a real short segment of review of where we finished off last time that we were here in the book of Acts. You'll remember that when we spoke last time, Barnabas and Saul, also known as Paul, and I'll go back and forth. I'll call him Saul sometimes. I'll call him Paul, all right? Uh, but probably here soon, I'm just going to start calling him Paul from here on out because that's seemingly what the Bible does uh, for the most part. But nevertheless, they were sent. Uh, they were sent to do start their first missionary journey. Remember, they were sent by the Holy Ghost. They were sent by the church at Antioch. They went forward and done this now very, very tremendously. And whenever they went, they knew that uh, uh, they were not going by themselves since they were commissioned by the Holy Ghost. I used some scriptures to end our lesson a couple of weeks ago talking about how no man is to praise himself or commend himself, but our, our commending should come from the Lord that whenever uh, you're truly sent of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to promote yourself. That God will promote you and you will have no greater stamp of approval upon your life or your ministry than when God has put His stamp upon you. It really doesn't matter what the opinion of others might say or think, but it's God's opinion that, that truly matters. And that whenever God calls a man... Uh, to the work of whatever type of ministry it might be, God will approve that man. And one way that he approves him is that God stands with that man. God stands with that man and by that man. I, I explained to you how even the Apostle Paul, later in the book of Acts, Acts 27, will find himself on a ship with several other prisoners. Although they may be on there justly, he is on there unjustly. Uh, because he had been spreading this message and uh, the, it looks like the ship is going to meet shipwreck. They're threatened. A lot of people are afraid. They're, they're confused about what they should do. Should they lighten the load? Should they kill some of the prisoners because they might escape into the water? All these things are going through their head. And Paul stands up and assures them all that are upon the ship that no man's life was going to be lost because there had stood by him. That night, an angel of the Lord and God had told him that he would give Paul all that sailed with him. And so God basically was letting Paul know that the one that I've called, the Holy Ghost has sent you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by you even in your dilemmas when you feel like there's nobody else to be there. God will at least still be there standing with you and beside you. And so that brings us great comfort or at least should when we're sent of the Holy Ghost. To know God is going to stand by his man. And we find here in the scripture reading that I read you tonight that it's absolutely essential and needful for Barnabas and Saul because the first opposition they would face on this missionary journey is a sorcerer. A sorcerer, a false prophet, someone that the Bible says is bar Jesus withstood them. And I guarantee you this tonight, you want God standing with you when the other powers of another world are standing against you. You don't want to be standing by yourself in those moments. Uh, they're being withstood by Bar-Jesus, which literally means son of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I know that Barnabas and Paul probably felt, uh, I know that it may have been a little uneasy that they're being approached by a sorcerer but they had to have somewhat of a confidence to know that whenever we left we didn't leave because we thought it was good to leave 
we left with the blessing of the church of Antioch and with the Holy Ghost. They, as at that moment in time, they were glad they weren't mama appointed or daddy appointed, uh, that they had been Holy Ghost appointed and they had been sent to the Holy Ghost. And so uh, whenever you consider this, we must be. You enter ministry, you want to make sure you've been sent to the Holy Ghost because somewhere along the way, we all are going to face the sons, per se, the false sons of Jesus to contend with. Paul rightly addressed who he was later. He was calling himself the son of Jesus. He says, but you're a child of the devil. <laughs> I don't care what you're saying, what you're calling yourself. You're the child of the devil. As a matter of fact, uh, there's something here that I think is important just because that we need to think about, just because God may call you to the ministry at whatever level that may be, that does not mean you will not be opposed by adversaries or enemies. Calling to a ministry doesn't exempt anybody from being attacked by or being approached by the adversary. For that matter, when we consider this governor, uh, Sergius Paulus in the scripture, the Bible says he desires, this is what the scripture said, he desired to hear the word of God. He desired to hear what Paul and Barnabas had to say. He desired to hear it. No doubt, I guess he appreciated their ministry to a certain degree. But in the moment that there are some that appreciate it, there will be others that will be fighting against it. There will always be those two classes of people in ministry. Those that appreciate it say, man, I want to hear what you got to say. That's great. And the others with the daggers. <laughs> they always to do whatever they can to fight or attempt to deter what's going on. The Apostle Paul said this later in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Uh, he's speaking to the Corinthians, talking about he's going to come and see them. But he says in verse 9, For a great door effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. He says, I'm going to come and see you, but for right now I'm staying here at Ephesus, he says, because there's a great effectual door open to me, but in the same breath he talks about opportunity. He says there are, though, also many, many adversaries. And that seems to be the way that it goes, folks. Opportunities sometimes uh, come uh, with there being adversaries or threats on the heels of the opportunities. Because here's what the thing is. Whenever you start doing what God wants you to do, he's going to bring the adversary distractions distractions to try to distract you from what is needing to be done. And as with uh, Elimus, Elimus rather, let me look at, at his name again so I can say it right, El, Elimus, when we consider him, he's competing for the attention of Sergius Paulus. Barnabas and Paul here, he's wanting to hear their word, but now he shows up and he's competing for the attention. And so, so the, the adversary will do that. You, you'll start giving your attention to one thing and he'll try to detract you and get you looking at something else just so that you'll miss what's really good, what's really important, what's really valuable uh, for you in your life. And so the Bible says that this Elymas was with... Sergius Paulus. Now, it wasn't uncommon for them in this day, it wasn't uncommon for governors and rulers, uh, people of power, you might say, to have, I know this is kind of peculiar, to have personal sorcerers, you know. We have houses and cars, but they had their personal sorcerers that would give them advice, give them guidance, 
Here's something I want you to realize. Barnabas and Saul are on a mission for the soul of Sergius Paulus. Expounding the word to Sergius Paulus. They're expounding the word to a hungry unbeliever, as it were. Listen, Pastor McGee. Whenever you start going down the line of reaching out for hungry unbelievers, you better expect the attention of spiritual foe contending for the souls of the people you are trying to reach with the word and the gospel of God. This is a case in point. They're reaching for him. He's desirous of it. Boom. There is also the opposition of spiritual wickedness that shows up contending, if you will, for the souls of those men. Now, here is the rub, if you will, in Scripture. The governor desired to hear the word of God, all right? And Elymas, he's, he's a Jew, which is ironic within itself. Uh, but Elymas, being a Jew, Elymas, being a Jew, a Jew, he's well acquainted with the word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the Scriptures are, I mean, the Jews have protected them and safeguarded them all these years. I mean, that's a part of who they are. So he's well acquainted with the word of God, not to mention he is acquainted with the power of the word of God. Someone say amen. And so the rub here is this. He's trying to dissuade this Gentile, Sergius Paulus was a Gentile, this Gentile from the faith. All right? Elymas could not stand that this guy was desiring the word because he knew the word and the power that was invested in the word. So let's go just a step further. Elymas is more than just a person. He was a person that was influenced by the power of Satan. All right? He's a sorcerer. He's a person that's influenced by the power of Satan. Listen to Pastor Knight. No one knows the God's word any better and its power any greater than Satan. The impact, the influence, the capability of the word anymore than Satan. During Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, right? Satan manipulates Scripture. He says in Matthew 4 and 6, And saith unto him, Jesus, in the wilderness, being tested of the devil, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, this is Satan now saying this. For it is written. He's quoting a verse from the Psalms. For it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Huh. He's toying. He, Satan will toy with you on the subject matter of Scripture. With your belief in Scripture. For instance, in the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve, the serpent comes and questions what God said. God's word. He asked her, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? That's not what God He wanted the woman to be in question about what God really said. Mm-hmm. Well, from the very beginning... Satan has understood the power of the word. Why? Because everything that we see, touch, huh? The veins of gold and silver in the ground, the universe, the galaxies, uh, everything, the grass, everything we see and touch, were all brought into existence by the word. 
The Word of God. Satan knows from the very beginning that his Word has creative power. So he's not interested in a soul or anybody for that matter ingesting, reading, hearing, being under the influence of any of this Word because the Word has creative power. So he'll cause you, as he did eat, to question even the Word of God. Other times, if he's not causing you to question the Word of God, he'll cause you to want to deny the truthfulness of God's word. The devil even came to Eve and the serpent told her that, even told the serpent that we're going to die if we eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. And this is what the serpent's reply was to her. Ye shall not surely die. Now God, he spoke that. That was his word to her. Ye shall die. Serpent says, ye shall not surely die. See what he's doing? Not only questioning, but he's trying to make Eve deny the truthfulness. Why? Because he understands the power. That's in connection with God's word. Even in the wilderness uh, testing that I just read to you. Here's Satan. He's, take, he's using scripture. For it is written. Uh, uh, a verse from the Psalms. He's taking scripture, but he's applying that verse of scripture, a passage in the Bible, in an appropriate way where he was trying to lead Jesus to disobey. He was really taking it out of context. That he was doing, doing, trying to misapply the scripture. To what? Again, break down the power, if you will, of the word. Satan is not ignorant of the power of the word, folks. He is not ignorant of the power. Case, let, let's just say this. Why is it then that he tries to keep you from church? Why is it that certain things will rise and you won't be here? I don't care what it is. Why is it that certain things will rise that you'll deem as more important doing that or going there or being there rather than being in the house of God? I'll tell you why. Because when we come into the house of God, he knows somewhere along the line, those songs, those lyrics, and many of them are based upon the word of God. Amen. Whenever that preacher gets up, whether he's teaching or preaching, and what? It's the word of God. And the word of God is power. It can affect change. It can affect revolution. It can affect creation. He don't want you here to hear the word. Oh, I read my Bible every day. That's great and fine. But sometimes you need to hear the word of God proclaimed under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He's not an idiot. He knows the power of the word. Satan is aware. You can read your Bibles. He's aware that Jesus all times sent his word and healed people. He's aware that by his word, the Bible says, I'm almost feeling a little preachy here, that by his word, the Bible says, he understood that Jesus cast out spirits from people that was possessed with devils, Matthew tells us, by his word. He don't want no word on you. Honey, he would like nothing more than to move in rather than God being where he is in your life. He would like to have that square inch on your life. Amen. He don't want the word there because he understands that word has the power that if a person is even possessed of a devil, the word can say, uh-uh, not here. He understands the power of the word. Lucifer, the archangel that he was at the beginning, understands the power of the word. As I already said, Hebrews said, the worlds were framed by the word of God. Mm-hmm. He understands the power of the word. There's a positive impact of the word. Insomuch, we already read it. In, in our study in the book of Acts, Acts 6 and 7, the Bible says the word of God increased and the disciples were multiplied. If he can cause a chasm between you and the word, 
the souls of men will just remain in the balance. They don't want that happening. Not only that, Paul said that this gospel, this preaching of the death, burial, and the resurrection, it was the power of God unto salvation. He understands the power of the word. Now listen, listen to this. You'll remember, and it's in the harmony of the gospels, but uh, the one that I am referring to or, or gravitating towards is, is Luke 8 here this evening. The parable of the sower. Remember that? The sower that goes out with the seed and he's sowing seed as it would seem on four different grounds. Well, it's, it's interpreted for us. We, we received the parable in Luke, in Luke 8. And then right after it's given, then the interpretation of the parable is given, which is, which is nice. And so he starts interpreting this in verse number 11. And he tells us that the, the, the seed was the word of God. The seed was the word of God. Now, I'm going to kind of work backwards here in the parable just a little bit. But the Bible says that the seed fell on good ground. The seed that fell on good ground are those that heard, all right, the word of God. They kept it. They brought forth fruit, the Bible says. It says then there was also seed that fell among thorns, and the seed that fell among thorns are those that heard the word of God. But that word was choked by cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. And it did not bring forth fruit to perfection. Boy, that caught me today. For number one, right now we only have two grounds going. I can't see any of you. This is great. No, I'm joking. But two things already have transpired. Good ground and now thorny ground. Each one, they hear the word, Brother Terry. Each one hear the word. One brings forth fruit. This one, though, the thorny ground, because it's being choked by riches, cares, and pleasures of this life. It Look, the Bible does not say it did not bring forth fruit. It does not say that. It only says it did not bring forth fruit unto perfection. Meaning to completion or to full maturity it brought forth fruit that never reached a level of full maturity because pleasures disabled that cares disabled that riches of this life disabled that so it's not that they don't bring forth fruit but they're bringing forth fruit that's not unto Perfection. Let me tell you, that is probably one of the most troubling grounds there is. Because on one side of it, the ground could be saying, I'm bringing forth fruit. But on the clarity side of it is, yeah, you are, but it's not mature fruit. It's, <laughs> it's not what it could be. Someone say amen. It's a very deceptive ground a very deceptive ground it's bringing forth fruit but not fruit to completion and then there's the ground where the, the seed that fell on the rock again 
The Bible tells us they heard the word of God because the word is the seed. They heard the word of God. They received the word, but the word never took root in the soil. And these people, these people believe. They believe until, the Bible says, that temptation comes. And when temptation comes, because there was never no root, they fall away. So we have three grounds so far. All of them has heard the word. Now, I know I've worked this back, backwards on purpose. But lastly is the seed that falls by the wayside. Look at it in Luke 8 and verse 12. Those by, this is the interpretation of the parable. Those by the wayside are they that, here we are again, they hear the word. Then cometh the devil. See, what we have here is what's happening in Acts chapter 13. The governor is desirous of the word. He's going to hear the word, but guess what's happening? Then came the devil. Uh-huh. Elimas. Then comes the sorcerer. Then comes the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Can I, can I submit to you tonight that that low, dirty dog child of the devil, Elimas the sorcerer, knew, listen to pastor, knew that Barnabas and Saul were dealing with some good ground if he didn't intervene. You understand me? Because in the wayside thing, it doesn't have to do with thorns. It don't have to do with the rock. It all has to do with something coming along and trying to snatch, deter. He said, I know you guys are dealing with some good ground here, Sergius Paulus, but I'm going to show up and snatch away, take away, divert, pervert, if you will, the way. I'm going to intervene. Look. Look, 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 look. Elimus knew, Elimus knew that he was dealing with good ground because the Bible says in verse number 8, to turn away the deputy from the faith, to turn away wayside. you understand what I'm saying? Wayside. Later, Paul will address him with this question. Paul will address that sorcerer with this question. He said, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? See, the devil comes to take away the word out of their hearts. How? Those things that we've already mentioned. He'll try to make you question the word. Doubt the word. Deny the faith or the word of God. Amen. Elimus wanted the governor to turn away, the Bible says, from the faith. You remember what Jude said there, the gateway to Revelation, the last book before Revelation, Jude? Paul had been speaking that you guys need to be careful because in the last days or even whenever I'm gone, there's going to come some enemies in unaware. And you need to be aware of that. Well, you know, I, they don't know if they took very good notes because the Bible says in Jude, men crept in. Uh -huh. Men crept in. And, and Jude says this. He said, I was going to write to you about the common salvation. That's what I was going to write to you about. He said, but right now, he said, I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. That, that, that's, that's not belief. That's not belief that the faith is the doctrine, the teachings, the word of God. You should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Amen. And listen, once delivered. That's not just referring to something that was delivered before. Listen to me. I looked it up today because it struck my spirit. The word once there means, in the Greek, one time absolutely all doctrine, the whole complete doctrine was delivered. You know what that tells me then? 
He says you need to contend for what was once, not before, but you need to contend for the complete, whole, absolute doctrine that was given back there. In other words, you don't have to make no provisions to this doctrine. There are no amendments for this doctrine. You don't have to add to this doctrine or take away this doctrine. It was complete and absolute when it was given. It doesn't need any help. Why is that important, Brother McGee? I'll tell you why. Because there's people purporting today a word of God that is not the word that is absolute, complete. Mm -hmm. Oh, you serious? I'm dead serious. There's people believing that there's no hell. There's people believing that Jesus' name baptism isn't necessary. He says you contend for the complete. The absolute, that once, one time, once given. Amen. So this isn't talking about belief. It's talking about the faith is our doctrines, our teachings, our truth. And this is what Paul told Timothy would happen. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. What's going on? We have seed on wayside ground. The devil's trying to come and pull it. Doing what? Giving heed to seducing. Welcome to Elimos in Acts 13. Seducing spirits and doctrines hmm, of devils. The devil will tamper with the word. He'll pervert the word. That's his main means of tampering with the word. He'll pervert it. He'll pervert it. Because like the story of the sower, here's what he knows. Listen to me. We never talked about the enemy coming, the devil coming to take it away. I'm going to go back and read it one more time. Can you get Luke 8, 12 up there for me one more time? If you don't mind, you're going backwards just a little bit. If you can, I'll go to it. There you go. Look, look, look what it says right here. This is the reason why that the devil is going to tamper with that word because he says... Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest, important, lest they should believe and be saved. He says, if I don't tamper with the word, the word's going to accomplish this. If I don't run interference, this is going to be the product of the word. They're going to believe. Mm-hmm. And they are going to be saved because the pure word of God, when it is heard, will result in something. Isaiah 55 and 11 says this, So the Lord said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. You hear me? He said, my word goes forth. It's going forth with a purpose. It's going to accomplish something. So the devil says, well, we got to tamper with this because the word is so powerful that whenever it's sent, it will accomplish if there's not interference. And all seed, whatever ground it falls on, all begins with people hearing the word of the Lord. And that is the very thing that Sergius Paulus desired, to hear the word of the Lord. And the very thing that he was desiring, the adversary was trying to turn him away from. Think about this. This is personal sorcerer to Sergius Paulus here. Bar Jesus understood 
that wicked spirit directed him that if the governor was converted, he's unemployed. <laughs> in a physical level and a spiritual level. In other words, he's going to lose his position. He'd no longer, he would no longer have access to the presence of the governor who, think here for a moment, who has then sway over people because he's a governor. He rules. You listening to me? He rules. There are principalities and powers that influence governing bodies and people that are in position because they have sway over other people. You wonder why we talk about sometimes leadership, people like that are in the crosshairs? i tell you why. Because they don't just gauge their own lives. They gauge the lives of those that are under them. And if he can have sway with that leader, then he can perhaps have sway with those whom he leads. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. amen. So he no longer have this access. And so here they are, though. They're in Paphos. Paphos is the capital city of Cyprus. Cyprus was sometimes called Macariah, which means the happy isle. I live over on the happy isle. <laughs> Every day is a happy isle. You wake up a smile on your face. It was called the Happy Isle because its climate was so perfect. It was so resourceful and so varied that they thought that a man would find anything, everything that he needed necessary for a happy life within the confines of Cyprus. And Paphos was the capital of that island. But here is a problem. Sergius Paulus lives there. This is Happy Isle. Should have need of nothing. I'm a happy man. Anything I need is right here at Happy Isle. There's some happy isles in Walmart. I've seen them before, too. And, uh, <laughs> but, but he's living here. But the weakness of happy isle or Cyprus is this. It's seen through the request of Sergius Paulus. Although he lived there, he had a desire that was beyond there. He desired the word of the Lord. So evidently, he had not found everything necessary for his life because he desired something that the isle could not provide. That's a good little indication for us tonight. I don't know whoever may be here. That's a good little indication that if in your quote-unquote happy life that you're living, there seems to be a longing for something beyond what you've already experienced, maybe life is not as pleasurable as you think it is. Maybe there's something more beyond happy isle. And it should be a notice to us, church family, that although people may, quote-unquote, be living the life, seem to have everything they could ever imagine, don't assume there isn't somebody maybe among that type of environment that may be longing for something different than what they've experienced, like Sergius Paulus. People outside are looking at Cyprus and say, man, that's happy. Oh, man, they've got great environment, great climate. We've got everything we need. But there's a man there that's desiring something of what that aisle could not provide. And so sometimes we think, well, man, that's, that's a closed door. No sense of mentioning anything about church or outreach to that person because they have everything that life could offer. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. If they're missing the Lord, they're missing the great. They haven't started living yet. They haven't started living yet. Amen. And here's the thing. Sergius Paulus is the one that approached him. He's inquisitive. He desired. He, he was inquisitive about uh, the word of God. And if you find somebody that's inquisitive about God or the church or the Bible, 
then rest assured that God's drawing them. God is drawing them. He is placing that hunger within their heart for and with a purpose. The Bible says that Paul said to the Romans that there is none that seeketh after God. The only way that a man would seek after God if God puts the desire in the man to seek after him. Are you listening to me? Jesus even mentioned, he said, no man can come to me in John. He said, except the Father which has sent me, draw him. So if somebody is hungry concerning things of the word or God or the church you belong to, God is doing a drawing upon their heart. And that's not something to be uh, negating. That's not something to be ignoring. The Bible says in Acts 13 and verse number 9. Acts 13 verse 9. Then Saul, so all this has happened. And they've tried to deter Sergius Paulus. Then Saul, who is also called Paul. And I'll probably call him Paul from now on. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Set his eyes on him, the sorcerer. I want you to note something. Keep that verse up there. Before Paul does anything about talking to the sorcerer, dispatching blindness on the sorcerer, before he does any of that, please denote that the scripture underscores that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. Please do not attempt to take on speaking to spirits and dealing with spiritual matters and you void of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It underscores he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So don't challenge a false spirit without being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit. Because there is a literal battle today. We don't see it, but there is a literal battle, a literal battle today for the souls of men. There's a spirit of perversion. I'm not talking about lust and things like that, but the deterring, the bending. The, there's a spirit of perversion trying to persuade, here in the Scripture, a Gentile deputy from the faith by using a Jewish false prophet. And there are spirits today in our world that are contending for the souls of men. Paul told us in Ephesians 6 and 12, he told us where our battle was. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against humanity. I know on the surface it appears like that and it looks like that. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, wherefore taken to you the whole armor of God. And the last piece of armor that he mentions that we need to take is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Huh? The Word of God. Now look at this. Look at verse number 18. He goes on. Praying always. I knew someone would shout right then and take a lap. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Look at verse 19. I'm helping the pastor out here tonight. And for me, Paul's talking about himself. In other words, pray for Paul. Pray for the leader. Please help me, folks. And pray for me. Why? That utterance, listen to this, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, the word of God. Folks, I hope this, I, I thought maybe sometimes it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it tonight. You need to pray for me 
that I would teach what needs to be taught, preach what needs to be preached, because we're really going to be frustrated, both you and me, if you're not praying that whenever I step behind the sacred desk and come in here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday, that you've not offered a prayer to say, hey, God, give him utterance. Give him the words to say. And when he says them, let him say them anointed. And let him say them boldly so that the word will go forth because we know that that shakes the devil up when the word's going. There's power in that. There's creative power in that. There's power to heal from that there's power to dispatch demons in that if we can just get a preacher that will be anointed and speak the word boldly the dynamics in the atmosphere can change so please pray for your pastor that he'll speak the word of God with boldness because this is a spiritual battle and we all all take the armor of God we all need equipped with the word of God Paul says in all of your praying, don't forget to pray for me and speak boldly the gospel. Because I'm a proclaimer of the word. I'm I'm a proclaimer of the doctrine. I'm I'm a proclaimer of the faith. So then Paul dresses this sorcerer down, buddy. You can do this, I guess. You can do this when you feel the Holy Ghost. Look, he's not looking above his head. He's looking him in the eyes. Man, this is like a face encounter. Set his eyes on him. You fool of all subtility, all mischief, child of the devil. You call him your bar, Jesus. Child of the devil. Enemy of all righteousness. And Paul prays in this guy is struck with temporary blindness. Now, isn't that ironic? Because Paul, whenever he was Saul on the road to Damascus, had been hit with temporary blindness. And now what had happened to him, he's conveying upon another. And it happened just like Paul said. There was a mist and darkness, and he had to seek for somebody to be able to guide him. Elymas did. And then look at verse 12. Then the deputy, that's Sergius Paulus, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord when he saw what was happening he believed and was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord this it man this is poetic justice right here Elimus Elimas came to deter Sergius Paulus from the faith and God uses Elimas to turn and what happened to Elymas to turn Sergius Paulus to to the faith. That is awesome. I'm telling you right now, that is awesome. The very guy that was supposed to be turning him away, God says, I'll just use him and make him instrumental for the belief of the governor. Amen. And so although blindness came upon the sorcerer, it helped Sergius Paulus' belief. And the Bible says he was astonished at the doctrine. Everybody say the doctrine. Notice what he was astonished at. Not that, not that Elymas was struck with blindness. He was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. You know why? Oh, God, help me. 
Because doctrine or the word, this Bible we have, when it's proclaimed and not contaminated by the voice, the ideas, or the thoughts of man, God said, I'll come along with you and I'll confirm my word. With the Bible says in Mark 16, 20, and they went forth, speaking of the disciples, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. See, there's something that Sergius Paulus understood right away. Paul stretched forth his hand. The sorcerer was struck with blindness. That was a sign. But he knew that the sign was attached to something a whole lot deeper. That was just something on the surface. It had deep roots. And the roots were the word. Because God, Christ had already said, if you go forth and preach my word, you propagate my word, you let it be pure, you let it be holy, you let it be intact. He said, I'll confirm it. I'll confirm it with a sign. And Sergius knew there wouldn't be a sign if this wasn't the doctrine, if this wasn't the word. There's a powerful word that we have here today. Powerful word. Mm. Woo. Mm. Almost makes a going bald man sweat. See, this is how this trip has started. Where they first got to the region where they were preaching, you can look at that in verse 5. They took a trip to the synagogue preaching the word of God. Whenever they got to verse 7, Sergius Paulus is desiring to what? Hear the word of God. Here is the, here is the spiritual wickedness that creeps up his head. What he's trying to do, deter them from the word of God. But whenever the story is ended, here is a man that's life has been transformed and he is in awe because of the word of please. Do not underestimate. Do not underestimate this word. I know you get bored in the begats and chronicles. You have problems saying the names, so you say, what's the use? Please do not underestimate the power in this word. Man, this is a wonderful story. I've read it. Over and over and over again. I'm done with the New Testament already for this year. I'm getting close to finishing up the Old Testament. I've read through this many, many, many times. This is a great word. It's powerful. I am still amazed at this word. I'm still underlining. I start with a fresh Bible every year so I don't just get driven back to the same phrases. I underline every year, write notes every year. Every year. This is a powerful word. This right here could heal somebody. This right here could dispatch a demon. What are you talking? This right here. Let me go on soapbox. But you'll pick up women's world. Some of you can go get a tabloid and invest more time in reading that. And let me tell you something. It's not going to add anything to your life. And I'm not against reading. I read books. I love books. I'm a bookworm. Someone said, I don't like the worm idea, so I'm a book dragon. <laughs> I love books. Read 25 books last year. I like books. I got probably, I think about eight already read this year, eight or nine read this year. Love it. But that doesn't preclude reading this. And I can read self-help stuff. I can read what other preachers have wrote. I can read all that stuff. But let me tell you, none of that ever healed anybody. 
None of that ever saved a soul. None of that ever did. No, 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 no. There is power right here in this word. The Bible says in Luke 4, verse 32. I'm coming through to a close. I know someone's getting worried. Luke 4, 32. The Bible says, and they were astonished at his, speaking of Jesus' doctrine. For his word was with power. Now, here's the scenario, and I'm closing with this, okay? Makes someone feel real good right about now. And they were astonished at his doctrine. What had happened? Jesus had went to the synagogue to teach. And he was teaching. Man, they're hearing him teach. Man, this, is, this word is with power. It's like we've had other people in teaching in the synagogue, but we've never been exposed to something like this. Listen, and the Bible says while he was teaching in verse Luke number 4, and I may mention this before, there cries out a person possessed with a demon. I've told you, I've read this before, and I've read it in different translations, but it seems as though that it's a good chance that this person had been in the synagogue before, but today he cries out. Because you have, in essence, the word reading the word. (laughs) And as he's speaking, he cries out. He says, have you come to trouble us before our time? And Jesus takes authority over that, Cast that demon out of there, and everybody that's sitting there in the synagogue, they are stupefied. And they say in verse number 36, what a word is this? I just see it. Man, what a word. What a word is this? Because the word was speaking the word. Christ was speaking his own word. Amen. And it had power. Power enough that it made a demon-possessed man that may otherwise went to the temple regularly unsettled. Mm-hmm. There's power in the word. Someone stand with me here tonight. Power, power in the word. Hallelujah. The powerful word of God. So when you go on your outreach so endeavors to reach someone, rest assured and know that there is going to be the competing spirit of another world there as well try to distract and derail next week folks we'll try to continue on with verse 13 paul's going to start a sermon he's going to preach alone i like it he's going to preach for a while amen and we'll talk about that sermon a little bit it mirrors much of what peter oftentimes would do amen concerning the word of god and preaching hallelujah if we can just bow our heads here this thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.